Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creators Jim Oosley and Tyler B. Ruff about what comics they would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, where you can read comic news and become part of a comic community of fellow comic lovers. To find out more, be sure to visit comicscene.org. On a side note, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Tyler B. Ruff and Jim Oosley. How's it going? Oh, great. Great. Happy to be here. Fantastic. Yes, a real pleasure to have you both on. We haven't done a um, uh, a partner um podcast in quite a while so it's it's great to have a, a duo uh back in uh the quote-unquote studio um that kind of you know um transcends the world basically um because uh where where, where are you both based uh, i'm in st louis missouri actually outside st louis and uh great tyler yeah i'm a, I'm a little outside st louis i'm i'm just across the river uh in in illinois Beautiful, wonderful, and and of course, uh, listeners will know I'm I'm in southern England, um, slap bam in the middle um, <laughs> of, of southern England. That is, um, but uh, no, yeah, it is great to have you both here. Um, and for anyone that hasn't come across you just yet, what do you both do in the world of comics? Um, I can go first. Uh, I'm a Jim. I'm the writer of the Atonement Bell, and uh, I've had two previous series uh, that have been out: uh, Butcher Queen. Black Star City uh, for Red 5 Comics, which is out in trade now. And the second series was called Butcher Queen, Planet of the Dead. And it was kind of a female-led uh, Blade Runner-esque feature noir uh, detective story. Uh, both series were. And uh, the Atomic Bell is also being published by Red 5 Comics. So for the Atomic Bell, uh, I am the artist. I did the pencils and the inks. Uh, and all the the covers, and then generally what I do uh, more often is the Unforgiven, which is a uh, indie comic series that I self publish, and I write, illustrate, um, I do all the the inks, pencils, colors, editing, lettering, publishing, all of it, every aspect. So uh, that's the that's the behemoth, the stone around my neck that I've borne for the last decade, but you know, it's my, it's my baby and I'm happy to put it into the world. That's fantastic. Um, and, uh, where can people find you both online? Um, I'm on Twitter at Jim Oosley and on Instagram at radio underscore Jimbo and Atoma Bell is, uh, just at Atoma Bell on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So you can find me uh, at tylerbruff.com or weartheunforgiven.com. They both direct to the same place. Uh, and then I'm tbr underscore unforgiven on Twitter and Instagram and also at tylerbruff on Twitter and Instagram. Fantastic. Um, and of course, um, with uh, the Atonement Bell, um, I believe it's in shops on uh, the 9th of November. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, you got uh-huh. it. 
Excellent. Um, and of course, uh, because it's with Red 5 Comics, it's it's going through Diamond. So people can order it from their local comic book shop. Um, if you ask your local comic book shop to um, to order the Atonement Bell, they'll be able to find it um, in their previews catalogue. Um, but just to give the, the listeners a bit of a flavour, what's it all about? Well, the Atonement Bell is about a young boy named Jake and his mother. Uh, it's around the holidays, and they recently lost Jake. Recently lost his father, so uh, to kind of mend fences with a strange family during this really difficult time, they travel into St. Louis to mend fences and and just support each other that way. And what they find out is they kind of stumble upon having to figure out and survive St. Louis's deepest, darkest secret, and uh, it's involved. You know, there's there's witches. Uh, there's uh, nefarious spirits and, uh, you know, a coven and a Catholic church. And what they all have to do with this is the mystery that has to be uh, unwound, as it were. Fantastic. Um, and, and what's the origin of the story? I mean, obviously, there's the, the St. Louis connection uh, there for you. But uh, like, where where did the inspiration for the story actually come from? Well, I've, I've always been a really big fan. I'm a, a huge horror fan, um, and I, I love horror comics and horror films. And uh, mm. But what happened is in St. Louis, um, there's a – it's a very uh, – how would you put this, Tyler? Like a very divisive state. Um, and after talking to a few friends, you know, during lockdown and before about, you know, the state of the country and the – the state of you know race relations and everything else um mm. i was kind of taken aback by um how kind of horrible the uh evangelical right has been and how much damage it's causing in the uh in the realm of civil rights really and how people are right. kind of okay with using religion as a weapon as opposed to you know, using it as something to be grateful for. And so mm-hmm. um, in, in the spirit of like, you know, George Romero and Rod Serling, I think horror has always been a really great way to kind of purge your soul of these issues and talk about them in a way that is entertaining. You know, in other words, you could read the, the series and just enjoy it from a pure horror standpoint. But if you want to dig a little bit deeper, um, there's a lot more going on. And, uh, this series was kind of like my reaction to all of those things. Awesome. That's great. Um, and then how did you two know each other before, before the Atonement Bell or did you kind of get put together by Red 5 or how did that work? Yeah, no, we actually met at a free comic book day signing. Uh, it was in hmm. July, I believe, or maybe August. Um, but, but we, uh, we had, we were tabling side by side and, and there was originally another artist attached to the book and things didn't quite work out there. And then whenever that happened a few months later, Jim called me up and, and asked if I wanted to do this book with him um, after, after mm-hmm. we had met initially then and, and he'd seen some of my artwork. Yeah, I was blown away. I, Fun. I, thought was, I was really, yeah. when I lost my um, first artist, when that didn't work out, I was really kind of like, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if there's an artist that I that I know or have any contact with that 
could do a good job with this because it's my first series that's St. Louis based. So I really wanted a co-creator who could bring out that aspect. And Tyler has really done that beautifully because I've always felt like St. Louis in narrative media has always gotten a really bad rap, you know? And, uh, mm. you know, the reality is, is that we have a lot of uh, beautiful things here. You can't ignore the bad stuff. Mm. But we have, a, you know, a very ethnic, diverse community, um, a huge mm-hmm. Bosnian community. In fact, one of the characters in the book named Sarah is a, is a right. Bosnian girl. And, mm. uh, and the architecture is, uh, has a really unique look to it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Tyler just did a great job of capturing those things and giving it so much personality. Yeah, it looks absolutely fantastic, um, and and in addition, um, the, the the colors are really good as well. Because um, you, I don't think you did the colors, Tyler. Just off the top of my head, no, that's uh, Ben. Was there ben, a colorist? Ben Sawyer does the colors for the series, and then Ed Dukeshire right. does the lettering, and then Jason Green was our editor on the series. Fantastic, and uh, yeah, what a team! You've re- you guys have really brought it together. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, I absolutely love the cover. Um, oh. Really cool with like the stainless, the stainless uh, glass behind. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's really interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, like when when you read the whole series, I'm sure we'll be able to look back and kind of understand like some of the bits that are in that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I first saw the cover, I was I was telling Tyler. I've told this to Tyler many times, but one of my favorite things is to get a notification that there's new artwork for me to see, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love going mm-hmm. on there and, and seeing what he's done. And one thing I had to say that Tyler that makes his work in this series really impressive is that you know it's it's a ghost story, it's a it's a horror story, but it's really important to you know. Um, to really feel what what the characters are thinking on their face, the the, the emotions mm. there have to be real and they have to be readable outside of the written word, and he's really good at that. And uh, it's I'm really grateful for it because it it really helps really put the series across the line and, and makes it land so well. I'm just so proud of it. Yeah, no, really good, really good. And how many how many issues are there going to be? Sorry, uh, this is going to be a four issue series. Uh, it starts uh, next month and goes to February, and then uh, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a perfect story to tell in that in that four issue format, and that's usually what Web Five Comics uh, works with. Usually four issues. It can sometimes go to six, mm-hmm. but uh, four is what we kind of all decided on for this one, and it it, it kind of worked out perfectly. Amazing! Very cool! Very cool! Uh, now, all of that aside, I do have some bad news for you. I'm afraid, Uh-oh. and 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 that is the aliens have landed in St. Louis. No. Of all the places in the world, they decided St. Louis is the place to be. Um, and so, my question is, what is your action plan for survival? Tyler, you want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on on how bleak the situation is. Uh, if if it's a no win scenario, then I'm I'm just probably going to go for the cyanide pills. Uh, if they're, if they're here to destroy capitalism and create a society that actually cares about life and welfare, then, uh, I'll probably just join them. You know, all hail our new Lords and masters. <laughs> Lean into it. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Well, my, answer, how about you, Jim? Well, my answer is a little bit different. So I love, uh, we have this, this, these caverns outside of St. Louis called Merrimack Caverns, right? 
And so I would take my family and friends to Merrimack Caverns. And uh, it's a really cool underground cave system where I think Jesse James hid out for a while and, and things like that. And it was actually uh, it was actually a station for the Underground Railroad. But it's got miles and miles of like uh, underground caves and, and everything else. Uh, it's got a gift shop stocked with food. It's got a pizza oven. Uh, and uh, it's got, you know, room to survive and brainstorm about how we could counterattack if the aliens are hostile. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my hope would be that we would be able to meet a nice alien like Robert England from the, from the TV show V. And uh, maybe get like <laughs> sure. an inside track of beating the invaders. <laughs> Excellent. Samuel, Excellent. I, think that's so try... pretty, I think these are pretty solid plans. They, these are totally solid plans. You, you, you're going to be covering all the bases, I think. <laughs> you know, Tyler, you're 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 going to be kind of like the inside man, like with the aliens, <laughs> and, then, and then Jim, you're going to try and co-op somebody to to actually like be your inside alien, right. inside the uh, aliens as well. Um, so yeah, it, it sounds like you guys are going to be um, be doing all right, and so. What's really interesting in this scenario is that you're kind of you're both in separate places, right? Right. And so, um, what what happens is that uh, for you, Tyler, um, the the aliens are really interested by you um, because you're you're kind of happy to assist them, um, but and they ask about your background and then they find out that you know you're. you're you, you're an artist um and you, you mainly focus on in indie comics and uh they they start off by asking so what's the first comic you remember enjoying wow i really appreciate their their deep interest in me and and my backstory yeah. that's really polite of them <laughs> you bet <laughs> yeah they, they haven't gone full on mars attacks yeah. <laughs> uh yeah when when i uh i first got into comics i i got a the sonic the hedgehog comic for uh my kindergarten graduation, like in the early nineties. And that kind of, that kind of set off my whole journey into the medium. And, uh, you know, we, we here in this area didn't have any like comic shops, like on this side of the river, like in a small town area. So I had to, you know, find my comics at, I think they still had them at, at Walmart at the time. And then the local like Revco pharmacy had some, and I got like some untold tales of Spider-Man like 1996 and, uh, like in the middle of the clone saga, you know, some of those books and, and, and just got into Marvel and, and more superheroes than when I was, uh, when I was a little older and, uh, you know, the journeys, the journeys continued from, from my time I was like five years old until now. Nice. That's amazing. And, and for you, Jim, um, obviously, uh, you kind of have, um, an alien yourself. Um, and they, they also manage, to um be able to translate into english um and uh yeah they're they're equally interested um by humans and uh you the the subject comes up that you're you're a comic writer and that you enjoy comics um and yeah he through kind of they've got this like weird kind of like hive mind thing going on but they're independent thinkers at the same time i don't know exactly what i don't exactly get the physics (laughs) behind it but you know whatever um and uh so this alien asks you what's the first comic you remember enjoying well aliens freak me out so i'm going to go ahead and imagine that i'm speaking to a young 
uh, Robert England from B. But uh, I actually have excellent. We can we can cut out like a, a like a, a mask from a magazine Perfect. or something like a cardboard cutout and, and and put it on their face. <laughs> That's all that I need. I'm a very simple man. Um, Great. I've actually got two um, that you know I really remember joining. One was Detective Comics issue three ninety. And my dad, who was a, a police officer downtown, he brought it home from a trailway station. And uh, the comic was, I think, from 1969. So it was an older comic. It was a used one, obviously. But um, it really lit me up in a way that I'll never forget because I was so excited to get a comic book. And this particular issue was about Batman's, the guy who makes Batman's, Batman's costume, like his tailor. He becomes he becomes kind of a bad guy mm. and tries to kill Batman and, and everything else. So um, that was really fun. And the second one that I really remember that just blew me away was the Amazing Spider-Man number one twenty four. This one was from the seventies, and it's the one where I don't know if you remember this, but James J. Jonah Jameson's son was an astronaut, and uh, right. he came home from his his latest mission with a rock that he found on the moon. Well, he wore the rock as a necklace. He put it on a string and wore it as a necklace, but it turned him into a wolfman. And so um, Spider-Man had to fight this wolfman, knowing it was J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson's son. And J. Jonah Jameson didn't know what to do because his son was a wolfman. It was quite dramatic. and uh, But I, I loved it. And the artwork was, you know, totally amazing. I think Jerry Conley did the script. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Gil... Uh, You'll nice. came to the art, yeah. Nice, that's fantastic. Um, and and where where did you acquire that one? That one actually, it's funny. There was a thing. I don't know if they had these in the UK. I assume they did, but there was this label called Power mm. Records, and they did like audio superhero right. stories, like on vinyl. And uh, it was like a book and record mm. uh, thing, and uh, that's where I first saw the story. Then I asked my local comic shop about it, and they they actually had the comic it it came from. So I got to see more of the story and and everything else. So it was quite fun. That's fantastic, brilliant. Um, now the, the 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 aliens start to kind of get an idea of of kind of you know how this this comic stuff works. And and they start to move on to the same question. And as I said, there's like a hive mind thing going on. So they're going to be asking these questions at the same time, um, even though they're in separate places. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be flip-flopping between um, the two of you. So uh, we started with Tyler last time, and we're going to start with Jim um, on this next question this time. Um, and the aliens ask you, what's the funniest comic that you've read? Well, I... Uh these aliens asking all these questions. I don't know about that. I may have some questions myself at a later time, <laughs> yeah. but uh, the, the funniest comic that I, I remember reading uh, the first one anyway, was too much coffee man by Shannon Wheeler. And uh, what was great about it was that it kind of tackled themes of isolation and self worth. And, but it was with a character who had a giant coffee cup for headgear and uh, it was just kind of a stroke of genius, right. and he was sort of a uh, – that's that's where he got his power from, from coffee. And he would sort of lament and you know on mm-hmm. his uh, his life and his place in it. It was very existentialist, and, and but very funny. And uh, that's, that's my favorite, I think. 
That's fantastic. I hadn't heard of that before. And just looking it looking it up now, that's that's quite a get up that the uh, <laughs> that great. too much coffee man has. Got like a cup on his head, and it, it looks like he's kind of like got long johns on or something. Because like there's red, like yeah, the red. you know the classic um, uh, buttons on the buttocks <laughs> that you could pinned down like he's like in a <laughs> western an old like a comedy western type thing yep. anyway that looks very fun <laughs> excellent and then Tyler over to you I, I typically have trouble picking favorites of anything uh I like different things at any given time for for different reasons but uh there's always there's of course you know things that I'm more fond of than others and I guess the first the first funny comic I can remember that comes to my mind is just the the uh, Matt Fraction and David Asia, their humor and their Hawkeye run that they did for for Marvel. There was a lot of uh, visual gags in there that I remember that that I thought were really funny, like the uh, the Hawkeye head over over Hawkeye's junk as he's like leaping across the bed, you know, without any clothes mm-hmm. on, and and then the the newspaper. I think it was like everything's awful. Oh God, somebody do something! Like just stuff like that. <laughs> That's great stuff. Absolutely, it's fantastic. It's 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 quite a classic now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, everything about that run is is incredible. The the issue where that's all told from the dog's perspective, the pizza dog's perspective. That's just way up there in my in my estimation of of all comics. It's it's just brilliant. <laughs> fantastic. Um, now um, switching from kind of like quite a a, a lot of laughter on on the mothership um that you're currently on tyler um they they switch gears quite suddenly and ask you what's the saddest comic that you've read really toying trying to toy with my emotions huh oh yeah yeah, yeah. get you into an unsettled position yeah, yeah. to try and like weaken you i see you i see you uh <laughs> probably uh we we three by grant morrison is devastating mm-hmm. just thoroughly um mm. there's not to do to do any spoilers or anything like that for anybody who still hasn't read Why the Last Man, but there's some devastating moments in that that uh, that still leave emotional scars. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, it's, it isn't that incredible that like you know story stories like that can really kind of like leave a mark on you. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it it certainly makes you think, doesn't it? Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's. I know it's sad, but it can be beneficial, can't it? Like sad stories. <laughs> oh, of course. I, I I tend to I tend to try to throw some things like that in my scripts when I'm when I'm yeah. you know writing things. I'm like, well, what what's going to affect people? And there's there's mm-hmm. definitely some emotionally devastating moments in in the Unforgiven for sure, and and uh, I'd imagine the Atonement Bell. Uh, but Jim Jim would know if those those resonate with him from his personal, you know feelings of and sense of tragedy oh yeah it's it's rife with it you know um and the the more the series progresses i think the more that's that's accentuated you know it kind of builds up to a number of things that uh that really um make me feel anxious and sad and ultimately happy again um that's that's the great thing about comics i think is the uh that that marriage between the cerebral and the and the the visual, you know, and uh, I think it all works if it all has the heart connected to it, and uh, that's that's what I find so thrilling about working in comics, really. Mm. 
Yeah, really cool. Um, and uh, the same question to you, Jim. What's the saddest comic that you've read? You know, um, this is kind of a weird one because it's it's the I, I try to think of the saddest and most uh, kind of upsetting and disturbing a little bit. And for me, it's um, and it's, it's more upsetting than sad. But uh, anything with the yellow bastard in Frank Miller's Sin City, um, his it, that character's lack of moral compass, like his motivations, his look, his general vibe, is just uh, gross and disturbing to me. And I and I think the reason why it impacts me like it does is because you know, you can't you can't help but watch the news sometimes and feel like. Yeah, there's some yellow mm. bastards around here. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Sure, man. Sure. So uh, that that's probably uh, as far as as far as comics that have made me sad. Um, I can't I can't think of the one off the top of my head, but uh, I I think that you know, like Yellow Bastard and, and Frank Miller's Sin City, that makes me yeah. sad on a different level. I guess. Yes, um, it's, it's it's really upsetting isn't it yeah 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 absolutely yeah for sure um and then uh switching gears once again um again just trying to get you on on you know uh, an unbalanced foot really um but uh for you jim what's the scariest comic or most horrifying moment in a comic that you've read i think with comics and maybe maybe movies to, to some extent it's really hard to be um like horrified now, because you know we've seen and read so much, you know I enjoy the creepiness of, of horror comics, and I know I know what pushes my buttons, so I can I can write that, and that that kind of uh, is fun to do. It's, it's entertaining to to do that for myself to read it and to write it. Um, but I do remember, and this is such a weird memory, but I remember having an old issue of Howard the Duck, and he's in an insane asylum, and he's got these. You give him, I guess, these medications that give him these hallucinations where the band Kiss visits him. And uh, I remember, <laughs> this sounds dumb, but I remember seeing this when I was just a little guy. And I was, at the time, I was really scared of Kiss, you know, because it looked so weird. Sure. These weird guys from New York City. And I've become a huge fan since then. I'm, you know, I, they're like my favorite band, but that feeling has stuck with me. After all these years, and I still, whenever someone asks me about a comic that scared me, <laughs> for what I know it's dumb, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I go right back to that issue of Howard the Duck. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I can kind of somewhat, you know, empathize with that just because um, when I was, I think I was like about nine or something like that, um, and me and my brother, who's a few years older than me, went to see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. And if you remember the beginning of that, um, there somebody gets their hand chopped off. Yeah. And that has stayed with me. Oh. <laughs> like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, it just it clearly had a massive effect on me. But I can clearly see in my mind's eye, like, going back to that day, did it? I was really upset. <laughs> That you know, I saw somebody's hand get chopped off. I guess it's the realization that you know that that could have been a thing. Yeah, like the first you know, time you realize, like, oh, that can happen to people. Like, well, now I have a new fear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want my hand chopped off. Like, then my mom, my mum goes threatening threatening me. <laughs> you know, if I steal a loaf of bread, I'm going to get my hand chopped off or something. You know what does that for me? There was a movie um, called uh, Time After Time with Malcolm McDowell, right? 
And uh, there was a scene in there where Jack the Ripper goes back to the future, goes to the future to San Francisco in the uh, early 80s, whatever it was, and he kills people. Mm. And there was one scene where uh, these police officers walked into an apartment where he was just at, and there was a hand on the floor with a little blood. And that was, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, what the hell is going on here? And uh, that that yeah. specific memory has stayed with me all these years as well. So I I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I've, thank God it's not just me. Um, <laughs> excellent. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, for you, Tyler, the scariest comic I think I've probably ever read, or at least the most disturbing, is uh, Uzumaki by Junji Ito, the the manga. It's uh there's a lot of a body horror in that, mm-hmm. that uh, just people contorted into all kinds of shapes that they shouldn't be. Lots of, I think somebody, if I remember, turns into a snail, like a giant disgusting snail at one point. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, <laughs> which doesn't sound all that bad when you like, just say, like, oh yeah, snails, like what's, what's scary about that? No, it's gross. It's like, it's a human snail. It's, there's, <laughs> there's some really disturbing imagery in that, in that comic. And, uh, and that that one's that one sat with me for a while. I that that lives a little rent free in my head. Yes, yeah. Any any work by John Gito, kind of like just yeah, it has to get compartmentalized. I think. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah. So you just you you put that in a room by itself, and you close the door, and you pass by it sometimes, yeah. but you don't ever go back in. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Never, never fully open the door. You just like look yeah. through like one of those like peepholes, <laughs> right? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now, uh, coming on to my favorite question, and coincidentally, the aliens' favorite question, and that is, uh, what is your favorite cover? I love just about any that's over to you first, any Ty. comic, any comic cover that that Marcos Martin does. Um, I just think his his work mm-hmm. is gold. Uh, the covers for Amazing Spider-Man six ninety two, where it was, there are I think five of them for for each decade at that point. I think was the fiftieth anniversary, so there were five different covers mm-hmm. for each each era, mm-hmm. like each decade in the in the Peter Parker timeline, and the color, just the one, the choice of one color, and then the black and white. Uh, figures on each cover to just represent like the the biggest moment in that that decade in the in spider-man history and they're just they're gorgeous i have them hanging on my on my uh drawing room studio wall those and those and the covers for uh mm. spider-man life story that that had a similar kind of vibe um from chip zadarsky's run on on when he did uh when he did spider-man life story which was brilliant too like all of all of those those covers are just, they're masterfully done. Yeah. Really cool. Um, and it's, it, they're just like these kind of simple, but really kind of, um, what's it? Impactful covers. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, really nice. Really nice. Um, fantastic. And then how about you, Jim? I think for me, um, any of the House of Mystery covers from DC, um, I, uh, 
it's obviously it's a horror book it's a mystery book but the covers are just so dynamic and electric and and creepy um, i've always adored looking at those covers um, i think they're just they become so iconic and um, as far as the single cover i think my favorite is probably saga of swamp thing volume one um, it's mm -hmm. i don't know it's just a beautiful cover and it does a really really good job of capturing the heart of of that character swamp thing he's a i don't know if you recall but he's in a woodland setting and he's holding two bouquets of flowers mm -hmm. and um it's uh it kind of perfectly illustrates the dichotomy between his horrific exterior you know monstrous look and his uh, noble intent of character and his uh inherent kindness in in genuinely wanting to make the world a better place and and help those who can help themselves and i think it visually it just says all of that which to me is just extraordinary yeah really incredible um and yeah and another another classic of course <laughs> um but uh yeah absolutely fantastic um and then um they they quickly move on to um wanting to know so so what comic do you repeatedly read the most is that for me and that's to you, Jim. Yeah, that's to you first, okay. Jim. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I don't read too many comics over and over again, but if there is one, it's probably Batman Family number seven, and I can tell you why. Um, as, as you could probably tell, I'm, I'm super nostalgic when it comes to comics. And uh, I remember mm -hmm. getting that comic from a dentist's office when I was a kid. So if you, at this particular dentist, if you behaved yourself and did a good job with your appointment and whatever work that had to be done, uh, you could pick an item from this like special toy box he had in his waiting room. And uh, it was filled with toys and all kinds of stuff, but it had this one comic in there. And uh, I kind of uh, went past the toys and, and pulled the comic out. And uh, yeah, it was a Batman family uh, story. That was a comic series, I think in the late seventies. And um, it was kind of cool because it had stories from different eras. And uh, like the main story was a Robin and Batgirl story. There was a Batman solo story and a couple of old like Bill Kane, uh, Bill Finger stories. So uh, it was a lot of different eras and styles in one comic, which I really like. And I think that's why like, like I, I love all kinds of modern comics, obviously, but I, I'm really fascinated with um, you know, older comics and the history of comics. And, uh, you know, I, I tore that book up. I mean, I, I read it so much. I eventually went on eBay and found a, like a newer copy of it that I was able to buy from my collection, uh, years later. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's mine. Nice. Excellent. Um, and then for you, Tyler. Yeah, I don't, I don't generally reread much of anything. I, I'm pretty big on on novelty and, and new experiences uh, when I can, um, you know, get that in. I think I guess the the comic I've probably read the most, like reread the most, is probably Spider Man Blue, um, the Jeff mm -hmm. Loeb Tim Sale comic. Um, but I've, I've kind of shied away from from Cape Comics more and more in, in recent years, and kind of turned more to to indie comics because you know I got I got tired of reading mm -hmm. variations on the same themes and characters that we've all seen done to death. And, and, right. and I've just become 
more interested in what lesser known and, and less widely published voices have to say, kind of new perspectives um, on okay. on everything. Just, you know, because I've, I've seen like, oh, well, Daredevil's fighting this guy again. Like, I've seen that. Like, is this going to be, is there going to be anything new or interesting to say about this? Like, all right, it's well done. Yeah. But no, it's the same thing we've heard. Like, we know these themes. We know these tropes. Like, I, I want something else, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah, no, um, that, that totally makes sense. Um, and then, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you, then, Tyler? Without without being facetious, uh, it is my own series, The Unforgiven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you know, you always love your own kids best, or or you should anyway. Um, yeah. You know, if nobody, if nobody, if you don't believe in in yourself and you don't love your own work, then nobody else is going to believe in it or love it, and. Uh, you know, you, it all comes, it all starts from within. It all comes from within. And, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, you, you just, you got to love your own best. And, and I do like it, it means a hell of a lot to me. All of the things that I've put into that series, all of the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into that, those stories I've written, like it's all the characters are creations of my imagination, but every, every aspect of that comic has something in it that I, you know, some, some piece of my lived experience that I'm speaking to or something that, you know, I've seen and loved and enjoyed and, and wanted to put into it or, or something the opposite that I, that really bothered me that I wanted to say something about, or, you know, it's, it's, mm. that's when, when you're reading that comic, like you're, you're reading a, a fiction story and, and that's, you, you can read that on the surface level and, and that's all you take away from it. And I would hope have a good time and, and enjoy it. Um, but deeper than that, like you're reading a piece of me, of another human being, you know, it's our, mm. our books. And I'm sure Jim feels the same way. Like our, our books that we've written are how we connect with the world, how we make some lasting thing to leave with humanity. That is like, Hey, uh, this was me and I was here and this is what I had to say about it. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. I totally agree with that. Totally makes sense. I always try to approach that. I'm sure Tyler is this way too. Always try to approach any project as if it was the last project I was ever going to do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, it's it should be uh, entertaining. It should be it should represent sort of what's important to you, and uh, leave you with things to the reader to discuss and, and to think about. Hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, I'm going to go a little bit nerdier. <laughs> Probably my most um, meaningful comic to me is uh, my first Star Wars adaptation, oversized comic by uh, by Howard Shakin and Roy Thomas. And uh, the reason why it's most meaningful to me was just because it's it's sort of like a a, uh, a time machine, you know it. It reminds me of a more innocent time, uh, the fun of being a kid, and the fact that the comics were the only way to continue uh, the adventures from the movie I loved, you know, because there were no sequels yet or anything like that. So um, I still have that same oversized comic, and yeah, that's probably one I'll I'll never ever get rid of. Is that the same? Did they do Did they do one for like Empire and Return of the Jedi too, or is it just the just the first one? Is that oh, like the did. Marvel one? 
Yeah, it was the Marvel one, but and they did it for all of them, I think. But in particular, the the uh, there was a a number one and a number two that kind of cut Star Wars in half when they adapted it. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was really great. You know, it, Howard Chicken and Roy Thomas they did such good work together. Um, and yeah, I just uh, it's it's a very important part of me and my collection, I guess. Yeah, I remember those books. They uh, the local library in town had a had a book sale, and they had the the Return of the Jedi one that was all you know banged up and 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 laminated you know with the library it was a, it was a hardcover version of it and, and my dad got that for me I, I think that was actually my first comic even before the sonic the hedgehog one oh, that wow, nice. that uh that i got from that that used book sale and still had like the morrison talbot library like stamp and a little card packet you know in the front <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i beat that thing up oh yeah when you're a kid you don't care you just want to devour the story as much as you can yeah you know? and i thought it was just cool like the first few pages were where Luke's in like the the hooded cloak and everything. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then if you look at like the unforgiven people are wearing like hooded cloaks and stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that 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 line is a is a straight line from that, isn't it? Like, hey, it all comes out somewhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a, I know that feeling. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now, um, yeah, uh, follow, following on from from that, Jim, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Uh, gosh, you know, I think for me, um, Vigilante, um, George Perez book. I when it first came out, I know it got a lot of attention because it was one of the first comics on the prestige format. Because at the time comics were still being done with like newspaper print um so i it had kind of intrigued me on a surface level for that but also um it talked about it was the first one that i could remember that talked about mature subject matters and at the time i really hadn't delved into that yet and i was at an age where you know i was starting to kind of broaden my horizons and uh look for those kinds of stories that were different from uh, you know, the cape stuff that I, I had been reading up to that point. And I know that uh, that character recently has come to uh, be in the spotlight again from the show The Peacemaker, um, which is which is a really fun show. But that, that version of the character, while really funny, is absolutely not that character from the, from the comics. So um, I, think, <laughs> I think that run that he did was, uh, you know, for, to me, pretty groundbreaking, and I'm always surprised it, it doesn't get more more love. Fair play, um, yeah. That's that's one I I haven't read myself, so um, I definitely need to pick it up and and give it a go. Cool for sure. Let me know what you Excellent. think. Excellent. Ah, will do. I will do definitely. Um, and then, how about for you, Tyler? I think probably the comic here by Richard McGuire. It's um, mm. it's about a it's about a room. It's a, it's a, it's a room and a, well, it's, I guess it's a particular like location in time. It, it, it shows this one location from like long before humanity ever came onto the scene to long after, um, the current world is gone. And it just kind of, it bridges that whole span of time and it just shows the same, it's the same perspective on every page of this like meadow, like if there's, you know, no humanity or like this, this old, um, 
you know, colonial house. And then in like the modern times when people have like fixed up this house and it shows just different, you know, people having like an argument in this room or people like, or just woodland creatures, like in this open meadow. It's really interesting. It's, it's, uh, I've never seen anything like that and I don't really see it talked about much. Um, but I just think it's, it's just a fantastic concept of, of just, uh, and just beautifully executed and, and really existential, just this one Mm -hmm. spot and how much history is in it. And then you think about that, about the world over, you know, how, how many times that's actually represented in reality. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) overwhelming. But it's a it's a it's a gorgeous book. Yeah, um, just just looking at kind of like some of the some of the previews online, um, and things of the pages because this is one that I hadn't come across myself, um, and it is really interesting, just how it's composed and everything. Yeah, it's um, it's so unique. So I'm gonna have to check this one out. Yes, very much so. Um, really cool. Thanks. Really good suggestions, guys. <laughs> excellent. Um, That's what this is about. And... These aliens are trying to get a reading list together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all they wanted. You know, that's all they wanted. They just wanted a, a, a comics reading list, and then they're out of there. Sure, we've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, now, uh, for you, Tyler, uh, if you could only take one comic into uh, this uh, this apocalypse, which would it be? Uh, pro- probably why the last man, um, you know, it seems appropriate just being apocalyptic and, uh, I've been meaning to find the time to reread it. I haven't read it in probably a decade at this point, but, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the first time through it and, and I'd like to read it again. Hmm. So now that, now that the world is potentially being destroyed, Hey, maybe there'll be time. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? Fantastic. And then how about for you, Jim? Uh, probably for me, it'd be my um, hardcover Neil Adams collection. Um, I'm a huge Neil Adams fan. I got the uh, great opportunity to meet him a couple of times and just a really sweet man. And uh, I just love his work, his art. Um, also, it's a big book and it can be used for uh, self-defense against the aliens in case they don't like my selections or my vibe. Fair play. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, you. You always need that backup. I mean, yeah, know? it should be. It should have a dual purpose, right? It should be really fun to read. Yeah, but exactly. if you need a weapon. Maybe you do. Maybe that book is it. Exactly, and on that note, in fact, um, as as well as those um, those choices, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item? Would you like to take with you as well? And uh, let's let's go with you, Jim first. Okay, probably for me it would be duct tape, because uh, yeah, I could use it to fix things. Um, I could fashion weapons out of sticks. I could make a makeshift bandage until we got proper first aid equipment. Um, so it would it would probably be duct tape. And guys, nice. I'm just trying to be practical Solid. here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean you know where, when is duct tape not useful oh my gosh i mean me? it's, it's, it's number one the on the apocalypse list 100 <laughs> percent. yeah totally and then for you tyler well if these do if these aliens do turn out to be hostile uh, and aggressive i'll bring the dvd of independence day and uh i'll tell them that it's a documentary and 
We'll just let them sit with that for a while and decide if they want to proceed with with what their intentions are. Okay, you know what? That's a good idea. So in, I'm going to take back my duct tape. I'm going to bring a TV and uh, so that Tyler can show them this documentary so they get the message. Perfect. Amazing, fantastic. Well, happy to provide you with all of that. Um, and uh, yeah, you're well set for for this um, alien invasion over a comics reading list <laughs> apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> excellent. Um, but uh, yes, uh, Tyler B. Ruff and Jim Oosley, uh, thank you both so much for for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, so of much course. For thank us. you. It's been a lot of fun. Fantastic. And for the listeners, one more time, uh, where can they find you both online? Um, I'm at Jim Oosley on Twitter and at Radio underscore Jimbo on Instagram. And you can find out news about the Atonement Bell, uh, which comes out November 9th on Twitter at Atonement Bell. Um, Same on Instagram and on Facebook. And I'm at Tyler B. Ruff or at TBR underscore Unforgiven on Instagram or Twitter. And uh, we are theunforgiven.com or tylerbruff.com. You can find um, all links to all my all my stuff on there. Jim's more more online for the the social parts of the, of uh, well everything. I try to steer off social media as much as I can. So if you want to find out mm-hmm. stuff about the Atonement Bell, he's the best source to do it with. <laughs> and then, uh, do either of you have any cons coming up? I don't. It's it's kind of the the part of the year where the cons kind of wind down. Um, mm-hmm. The last one I was at was San Diego Comic Con back in July. Um, Great. So anything for you, Tyler? Yeah, no, just a few, just a few local signings and uh, and like print bazaar, print bazaar and craft show type stuff. Nothing, uh, no big conventions or anything for for the rest of this year. No. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, um, for, for for any future projects, make sure you get back in touch. You'll always be welcome back on the show and, and we'll pick up where we left off and see how you're doing with the aliens and things. Um, and uh, and yeah, no, you just you're, you're always welcome back. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Very good to be here. Excellent. Well, you take care, guys, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. thank you very much. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks again to Jim and Tyler for being on the Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use. As not any will let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Jim and Tyler's work, or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.